Julie at Dogcast Radio. If you like dogs, wherever you are in the world, we're the show for you. Hello and welcome to episode 247 of Dogcast Radio, the first podcast of 2022. Happy New Year. This episode is all about working and having a dog. Now, obviously, in an ideal world, we'd all spend the majority of our time with our dog. But we live in the real world, where we have to earn money to pay for our dog's food, toys, vet bills and so on, which entails, in most cases, being out of the house for a lot of the day. So how do we reconcile the needs of our dogs with the need to work? This was all inspired by a comment I saw on a Facebook group from someone who said she doesn't let puppies she's bred go to people who work, and the reply from someone who has dogs and does work. It was a very civil, thoughtful and thought-provoking exchange, and that's really what I'm going for here, to just have a think about working and having a dog. Can you work and have a dog? Well, first up is Fran Barnbrook, who is the lady whose comments started this whole idea for me. And as it turns out, she's a fascinating person with a very interesting life, famous friends, a great sense of fun and lovely dogs. I'm talking to Fran Barnbrook today. Hi, Fran. Hiya. Hiya. Um, and you, you live with beautiful dogs. You breed beautiful dogs. So tell me a bit about your dogs. Um, well, at the moment, we have seven Irish wolfhounds. Uh, we've had wolfhounds for oh, well over 40 years. Wow. Um, and we breed them occasionally. Uh, yeah. We show them and we we just do everything with them. They're, they're family. They're, they're our family. And everything we do is for them. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, I mean, we have had a, a quick chat before for this, so I do know a little bit about you and your dogs. And mm-hmm. I love your attitude. And you corrected me on one or two things. I said, no, no, no. Because I said <laughs> to me about breeding to make a living. You said, no, no, no. We don't make a living. No. And I mean, no. that's a very, very, very important thing. And I didn't really mean make a living from, but, but you know, I meant kind of break even. But anyway, I love your attitude to breeding the dogs because and we talked about didn't we there are breeders and there are greeders and they're yeah, very different definitely yeah, yeah definitely yeah. different yeah so the the thing that made me sort of want to talk to you was i saw mm-hmm. a comment on a facebook group where you said i wouldn't sell my dogs to someone who worked all day now that and i thought what a brave comment to make. I absolutely understand where you're coming from. But I just thought, what a brave comment to make. So, having well, said that, I can see exactly where you're coming from. Now, what do you mean by that? Well, at the end of the day, as I say, everything we do is for our dogs. Yeah. And we put we put our heart and souls into breeding these dogs, uh, you know, to make them the best that we possibly can. So we want the best possible homes for them. Yeah. And somebody coming here saying, oh, well, I go out to work, I'm out from seven in the morning till nine at night, almost seven at night or something like that, you know? Yeah. What you got, you know, you're going to come back to no house where we all found. Now, <laughs> I, I've said it before and I'll say it again, and people just think, oh, you're only saying that because you've got wolfhounds, but there is a difference. There's a big difference. Mm. These dogs are so family orientated and they just want to be part of your life. You yeah. know, um, so if you if you go out and leave them all day, they're going to be so miserable and sad. Yeah. Now there are lots of different breeds that that like to be on their own. They're quite happy. They don't have a problem, and I don't have a problem with with people, you know, having a dog and being out all day at work. But definitely not a wolfhound, and definitely not one of mine. Yeah, yeah. And there's there's so much to to unpack in that because I mean one of the things is I think what some people want from a breeder is that you just go and say, hello, how much is that dog? Thank you very much. Bye. And <laughs> no. that's not 
a breeder's job, re- well, not job, you know what I mean, function. Not That's not what a breeder, no. the role a breeder should take on for their dogs, is it? No, definitely not. I mean, I see so many websites and they're so uh, hyped up how wonderful the breeder is and how wonderful this is and, and that. And you can go to their places and their places are absolutely fabulous. Yeah, but they've, they've got that on the backs of their dogs. Mm. You know, and that's that's these people that just breed anything and everything, and it's there for the money. You know, yeah. yeah. Um, I just couldn't do that. I mm. absolutely live and breathe for my dogs, um, and so does my husband. We absolutely adore them, yeah. and you know, we've got to make sure that they get the best, and and we have done. You know, we've, yeah. we've done it all their lives. Yeah, yeah. So absolutely, I mean, as you say, you breed occasionally. And Mm -hmm. there's a reason. And the reason is not, oh, it's time to make another few grand. Let's breed the dogs again, you know. So um, (laughs) it's it's more sort of, you know, you want more dogs for yourself or to show you've got an excellent dog that you don't want to let the lion die out or whatever it is. Um, But it's it's to improve the dogs, isn't it? Certainly not to make money. That should never be the priority. No, no. When I first came into the breed, my first dog only lived for three years. Mm. And I, oh, I was so heartbroken. Mm. Um, it was just devastating. And I thought, no, I can't have this. Mm. So I did a bit of homework and I looked into it. And I, I'd bred German Shepherds before. Mm. Um, I mean, I, and I love my breed, but um, I always wanted Wolfhound. So when I got my first one and he died like that, you know, I thought, oh. I have to do something. Yeah. Um, so I've spent all my life improving my breed. Um, and from uh, something that only lived to about five years, uh, five or six years all these years ago but now we've got them up to well my last one just died at 11 she was just wow. over 11th birthday yeah. um and her sisters all lived till they were about 10 and a half there's one still alive wow excellent. Um, yep and uh the the dogs as well he, i think the dog was about nine and a half when when, when he mm-hmm. died you know yeah so um you know that's what that's what you need to do you need to look at what you're doing and, and breed for the best of the breed yeah. nothing to do with money i don't give a damn about money yeah. i've had days where um you know when i left my first husband and i had absolutely nothing but the clothes i stood up in yeah. and my five dogs and yeah. i worked from there and even then i didn't breed them because i didn't have the money yeah you know yeah that's not what it's about yeah no they're not a commodity are they they're no, you know living not. sentient beings and i think that's another thing when you know, when we think about buying a dog, and mm-hmm. you know, you know, I've said this to you. I'm not anti-breeder. I'm anti-greeder, but I'm not yeah. anti-breeder. I, you know, mm-hmm. I a good breeder who really does it for the good of the dogs and does all the health tests and you know all that brilliant, worth awaiting gold. And mm-hmm. you know, I love that. But when we think about buying a dog, well, when we think about adopting a dog as well, but we need to think about what what we can give that dog. It's not just okay. I want a dog, and I want it to you know, come jogging with me or sit on the sofa with me or whatever it is. It's not just what I want, is it? It's what will the dog want. That's what we should be looking at as well. That's it. That's it, exactly. And, you know, that's why I say, no, I'm sorry if you're working all day. I mean, you know, I've, I've had this a few times and the worst one was J.K. Rowland. Mm. Um, no, no, I didn't mean that. <laughs> what I mean was, uh, it was before her films came out yeah. um, and she'd been she'd been emailing me Jay Rowland Mm. Joe, Joe Rowland and I thought that name's familiar but I couldn't you know I, I couldn't think who she was anyway she, she asked eventually if she could come along and visit the dogs so her and Neil and Jessica who was just a wee girl at the time came along mm. and of course we didn't know who they were uh, and they had a fabulous time we took them for a walk with the dogs and <laughs> Neil took one of the dogs and went away down the park with them mm. um, 
just to see what it was like walking away we all found. So yeah. the next day, um, she phoned me and she said, well, I'd like to thank you for letting me see your dogs. Um, but she said, we'd like to get one. And I says, well, I'm sorry. I says, I don't just sell dogs to anybody. <laughs> um, you know, I want to know more about you. Yeah. And uh, what would you want to know? And I said, well, do you work? And no, the first question was, uh, do you have a, a, a garden? Mm. She just bought half a Persia. Um, <laughs> do you, um, you know, and, and just the, the usual questions. And, and eventually I said, do you work? Oh, yes, we both work. And I said, well, I'm sorry. Uh, the answer's no. Mm. And she said, oh, but we both work, well, I work from home and there's always somebody in the house. And mm. I said, oh, I said, well, what is it you do? And she said, well, I do a bit of writing. <laughs> And I said, well, I do a bit of writing too. What do you write? <laughs> I love it. Bam. It was it was just brilliant. It was really funny. Yeah. Um, you know, oh. So. Oh, do you know what? I bet somewhere, somewhere she's still telling that story about you as well. And this dog breeder said to me, <laughs> I do a bit of <laughs> well, writing. I love that. But the thing was, um, what she did do... Uh, she, she phoned, you know, through the phone calls back and forward. Uh, I said to her one time, you know, it's time you put a wolfhound in, in your book. Mm. Um, and she phoned me a couple of days later and said, uh, right, Fran, I've put a wolfhound in the book for you. <laughs> and it's the one where he's jumping through the pictures, uh, the, the knight's jumping through the pictures. Yeah. And he jumps into a picture where there's a wolfhound and the wolfhound chases him out. And that was what she did for me. Oh, bless. Bless. That's yeah. lovely. Oh, <laughs> it was. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wouldn't wouldn't it that have been lovely though to to think of a wolfhound? You know, I'm thinking curled up at her feet. It had to be a big desk for the wolfhound to fit under, but, but curled up at her feet while she was. Oh, no, no, been a lovely. big couch. The like a big couch to sleep on. Yeah. <laughs> Do they like to sort of be in contact with you a lot? Are they sort of cuddlers around you? They're terrible. Um, if you're standing in the kitchen doing anything, they'll stand on your feet, like holding <laughs> your hand. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if you sit down, we've got one who'll just sit on your knee. Curious. Uh, he thinks he's a he thinks he's a chihuahua, but he, he's about uh, 80, 80 kilos, and he'll sit on our knees. Oh, bless! You know, or jump up and cuddling beside you. Yeah, they're just they're just so people orientated. They're yeah. just wonderful. Oh, they're lovely. I mean, that's that's the kind of dog I like. Um, I I had a Labrador, and he was sort of always wanted to be with me, and and I mm. um what from home we waited until the, until the time was right that I could be at home mm-hmm. a lot and you know again it's it's not a, a snobby thing and I know a lot of people can't no. um don't you know aren't aren't lucky enough to have that situation but there are other ways that you can have contact with the dog then um mm-hmm. but you have to think of it from the dog's point of view and when you go and see a breeder another thing as well as thinking it from the dog's point of view if the breeder asks you lots of questions Mm-hmm. That's a good sign, isn't it? Actually, they're, oh, not, they're not looking down on yeah. you. But it's a good sign. Definitely, um, and I mean, I know that the puppy farmers are, are getting in on this as well, and you know, they think, oh well, I could do that, I could do this, yeah. and ask all these sorts of questions. Um, but you, you've just got to be really, really careful, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. where the dog's coming from. You just because that's just just as bad for you as it is for the dog. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the thing is, as well, because I know we, we talked about the health tests. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I know some of the advice that we keep on and on giving out. It sounds like a wet blanket. It sounds like I'm just raining on people's parade and going, look, you know, you really need to have a dog with health tests. But the reality of if you buy a dog 
that's come from someone that hasn't done the health test is mm. the reality for that dog and for you it could be mm. appalling couldn't it because it's going to be pain and suffering for the dog and well exactly you'll need deep pockets yes exactly going to saying, do that, yeah, yeah. financial suffering for you and, but and i'm like, saying that and saying that too though you know it, I, I could I could be, um, you know, doing every single test under the sun to do my very best to get you a dog yes. that's going to be healthy and something could go wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, it's how I react to that. You yes. know, I've had, I've had people phone me and said, well, they bought this puppy. It died at seven months old, meningitis. Um, and the, when I phoned the breeder, she said, well, it must have been something you did. Yeah. Now, it wasn't because yeah. I know for a fact that the dog she used was carrying men- meningitis and she knew because I told her, do not breed from that dog. Mm. And that dog has had 137 puppies. Mm. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. So, you yeah. know, you've got to be very careful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I know it's a balance. You know, we need to get a dog that's physically the best and, and uh, in, in, in character the best and you know and it's a balance of what genes they've got as well and and on all of that um yeah. but you've got to make decisions for the good of the the breed as a whole for the good of the dogs you know the particular dogs involved for the dog for the good of any potential owners it's mm-hmm. it is such a balancing act and this is why i think actually when you breed dogs it's a blooming d- difficult thing to do, and it must be an emotional minefield to go through because you you're worrying about your bitch having those puppies. You're worrying about the puppies. It must mm-hmm. be so difficult. It starts off for the day that you you have them mated, as the guilt. You've mm-hmm. got that guilt trip, you know, and and then that the. the, the when the puppies come along, you oh my God, you know, and I mean, for all the years I've done it, I, oh my, what do you do? You know, I've forgotten everything. <laughs> it just comes natural, you know, mm-hmm. and, and and you're there with them, you know, and it is, it's just up and down. And I mean, Bill and I spend the first three weeks of the puppies' lives sitting in that puppy box. You know, yeah. they're never left on their own. Mm. Um, it's 24-7. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think a lot of people don't, don't get that. It, it, it is all-encompassing isn't it that you've got they're like babies in the house you know but many babies but you've got to look help the mum haven't you yeah well the, the last litter we had uh, we had this uh, wolf ounce are usually about a pound and a half yeah. we had this tiny puppy she was six ounces oh wow um, and she, there's no such thing as a run. I hate yeah. that yeah. So we all would call them pickle puppies. So her name's Pickle. Yeah. Um, she's just turned four. And this is a dog that just shouldn't be here, mm. you know. And she's the most wonderful pup that we've ever, ever had. You oh. know, she got so much attention as a baby. Um, yeah. And she's really under her skin. I mean, everything we do, uh, you know, she goes with us. Yeah. Wherever we go, she goes to and we were along at Neil Oliver's yesterday. Neil's yeah. got Neil and Trudy have got two of our wolfhounds. Well, one's of our stud dog, um, and the other one we bred. And I went along to help show Trudy how to groom them properly. Yeah. And Pickle went too. Um, <laughs> and she's got white sofas. And <laughs> while we were doing the dogs, Pickle was fast asleep on oh. her white sofas. Oh dear, <laughs> she didn't bother. Bless but, her. Uh, no. You know. Yeah. But. You know, she's just she's just an amazing wee pop, and and for her to still be here, you know, it just shows how much we put into her to, yeah. to keep her going. You know, yeah. so you can't you can't do it, but you've got to be there. I mean, a few years ago, well, be about twenty years ago since we last had one with, with Torsion, but it happens, mm. um, and I think I've had it three times, mm. but not 
not in recent years, and I'm pretty sure it's hereditary. Um, and I think we've read it out our wow. line. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if I'd left, if we'd gone out to work or we weren't in the house when yeah. that happened, she, you know, our girl would have died. Uh, mm-hmm. Fortunately, I was I was in the bath. Bill had come through the hall, and he said. I couldn't believe it. He'd never seen it before. He said she just blew up like a balloon in front of Aww. me. He screamed at me. I jumped out the bath. We took her straight to the vet, mm-hmm. and we saved her. You know. Yeah. Um, and you know, if we hadn't been there, it'd have been the most horrendous death for her. And I just could not live with myself if I yeah. had, if you know, if I'd been out working or something like that. Yeah. So, but uh, we, we do have cameras in the house. We do go out. I mean, mm. obviously, we go out without the dogs. Um, but we've got cameras in the house who can see that everybody's fast asleep. They're quite happy. They've had a good run. Uh, they're fed. They've got water. Everything's okay. Mm-hmm. And we can relax when we're out. And I mean, I, I'm on the cameras every 20 minutes. You know, yes. it's not an <laughs> <Yes>. occasional thing. <laughs> I'm, yeah. you know, I'm, oh, and it's the only way that I feel comfortable enough to go out and leave them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You, you reminded me of my daughter, Jenny, with, with our dog. She's like, right. Um, and particularly with the dog she's got now. She's right. Okay. We have to put a camera up and I'm going to check in if we leave her. I think particularly after lockdown. But it's sort of, you know, the dog's okay, but Jenny's got separation anxiety. You know? Yeah, that's me. <laughs> I'm just exactly the same. I, yeah. I mean, I, I do, I, I've, I've always had a dog, you know. Mm. Uh, I think I bought my first one when I was about 12. My twin sister and I had got pocket money mm. and we went down to the local pet shop and this wee dog was sitting in the corner. She was 15 shillings and sixpence. Wow. And we bought her, and she lived till she was almost twenty years old. Wow! Yeah, crazy. Yeah. So I'd always, I've always had a dog at my side, always. Yeah, yeah, lovely, lovely. And I know you're, you, you've mentioned sort of very well-known people like your dogs, but your dogs are very popular, and you, you've had to open a, a bed and breakfast, haven't you? Well, it's it's a, a cabin that we've had built in in the garden because yeah. um, we get people coming from all over the world, from America, Canada, Australia, um, Europe, you know, uh, Germany and things. People just want to come and and, and meet the dogs. We've mm. also got six, seventeen parrots, I think. <laughs> Some of them are rescues. Yeah. Um, you know, so people want to come and meet the animals and and just spend a few days here. Uh, yeah. So rather than put them up in the house, it's what what we used to do. We had the cabin built, and it's got its own wee hot tub and its own garden, and dogs are always welcome. Oh, brilliant! You know, so, brilliant! Mm, <laughs> lovely. Now you you've mentioned the parrots, and I am fascinated. I again, I would love a parrot, but I know I can't really meet the needs of a parrot. You know, having heard of some of the the problems they can have, and oh, yeah. you know, you take in uh, again. You've said rescue parrots, and you sort of rehabilitate some of them, don't you? Oh yeah, I've had to. Yeah, some of them have just been horrendous. Yeah. You just wouldn't want them in your house. Mm. Uh, I mean, Fred, he came from the SSPCA. Um, when I went to see him, he's a, he's a wee um, severe macaw. Yeah. Uh, it, all he did when I went in the room, he screamed and screamed and screamed. Mm. And the girl that, that was working here, she says, "Oh, you don't want that thing. It, it's terrible. It just won't stop." Yeah. So I went across and I just stood at the side of his cage and I just said well, if you're going to make all that noise, you're not going to hear what I've got to say to you. And I just kept talking and talking. And eventually he stopped and he went, hello, Fred. And she turned around and she went, how did you do that? (laughs) And I opened his cage, took him out and I said, can I have him? Yes. And Fred's a lovely wee bird now. Yeah. When strangers come along, he'll scream. Yeah. So he he goes on the naughty step, which is through 
on a, a windowsill where you can see us, but we can't hear him. Yes. And once he quietens down, he comes back out again. So he's learned, you know, if I scream, I get put away. Yeah, yeah. Aww. So it's just working with him, you know, and, and, and keeping your fingers safe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh well. I, do, do you know what? We could do a whole other podcast on the parrots. I think there's, there's lots of stories. Oh, yeah, there, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. But you know, I think it was it was a fascinating um, post that I saw about you know the, the subject of who you let have your puppies, and I think you know it's good to think of it from the the breeder's point of view, and that's a really interesting um, thing to think about, and to give people food for thought that if you work what breed might work for you um, yeah. and sort of what what steps do you need to take, what things do you need to put into place, whether it's a neighbour or a relative or do you need to pay someone to pop in and, you know, provide some stimulation for the dog. So, yeah. you know, I think that's that's a really important issue to to bring up for people. Is there anything else you'd like to say about either your dogs or breeding dogs or anything to do with dogs? Uh, you don't have time for me to go through it all. <laughs> Okay, I, could reason. Talk, <laughs> I could just talk dogs 24-7 yeah, I, mean, I absolutely yeah. love them I really do um, and, and having spent my whole life with them um, I, I'm one of the best cleaners you'll ever get because I know how to <laughs> get a house from one end to another to get doggy spells out or whatever and I do not use candles or, or anything like that yeah. <laughs> you know, scented candles for dog smells oh if you don't like the smell don't come in yeah, <laughs> that's absolutely. My attitude, you know? absolutely. Gosh, I bet you know as well how to how to get dog hair out of things, out of sofas and things. Yep, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, they're they're a lovely breed. I can remember walking through the um, Irish Wolfhound benches in Crufts, and it's mm. they're just beautiful. They are a gorgeous, gorgeous breed, and um, they really are. Yeah, beautiful, absolutely gorgeous. Where can people find out more about you online? Um, well, I'm on Facebook. Mm-hmm. It's Fran Fran Barnbrook, and I think I'm the only one in the whole world wow. called Fran Barnbrook. <laughs> You're so, unique. <laughs> yep, not hard to find me. I might have two accounts, but they're both me. Isn't she interesting? I love social media for connecting me with such lovely people. We have the link to Fran's Facebook account, and thanks to her for such a thought-provoking interview. If you've got views on this subject, I'd love to hear them. You're listening to Dogcast Radio on www.dogcastradio.com. If you want someone who will listen to you every time, do everything you tell them to do, and always be there for you for better or for worse, get a dog unknown. Julie Bottrell replied to Fran's post, and she's a working dog owner. I know from having interviewed Julie about the activities she does with her dogs, they have a wonderful life, so I wanted to get her input. Again, to be clear here, both Fran and Julie knew that they were each being interviewed and that I wasn't going to play one off against the other. This is just an exploration of the subject because, contrary to the Johnny Nash song, there are actually more answers than questions. You work, don't you, and you have dogs, so how do you make sure that you meet your dog's needs? I have the correct dogs for my lifestyle. Um, at the moment, we have five dogs. Hmm. Uh, we have two French water dogs, a German shepherd, a Norwich terrier and a Chinese crested dog. So we do have the benefit that the dogs all have each other. So, you know, if we're all at work, the dogs do have each other. But, you know, my dogs are are conditioned and trained to be 
resilient and to to manage by themselves from being very little. Um, you know, my puppies get used to spending time by themselves or spending time by themselves when other people are in the house. You know, I never encourage dogs to to follow me around the house and yeah. um, to spend every every moment with me at home because it it isn't realistic. You know, there are things that as our lives change, we realise we need to do differently with our dogs. Mm-hmm. You know, many years ago, I had dogs that I always used to feed them at six o'clock in the evening yeah. and six o'clock in the morning. And then on the day one had to go and be spayed. It was awful, the guilt oh. with her looking at me at six in the morning. Yeah. So I've never done that since that pair of dogs. I now, you know, I feed my dogs at some points, but it can be any time. So we no longer have the the stress of, you know, if we miss six o'clock. And similarly with leaving them, uh, leaving them at home. Um, sometimes they're with us when we're in the house. Sometimes we might all be resting in different rooms. Sometimes I might expect them to wait for a little while in another room when I come in and then I'll go and see them. You know, just building their resilience, teaching them their own coping strategies and that they don't need to be with people all of the time. Yeah, yeah. And that is so important. Absolutely spot on that we... We should get our dogs used to it. It's not a case of like you have the little puppy and you love him up and he sleeps in the room with you and you spend 24 hours a day. And then suddenly after after a week or a fortnight off, you, you go to work, you know, and that's it. And the poor dog's left alone going, what have I done? And, and one thing I only sort of realised fairly recently was that a good breeder, you know, when we talk about, you know, good breeders, that we want good yes. breeders. And and I'm you, you know, I'm not anti-breeder at all. We want good breeders. You know, a good breeder will start to get those puppy you, puppies used to the process of being on their own or with, you know, with a friend from the litter, you know, and gradually get them used to, to, to that, you know, becoming, developing that resilience to be on yeah. their own, won't they? Yeah, absolutely. That's what we did from from the puppies being sort of four weeks old. You know, they spend a couple of minutes in a crate by themselves in a different room, perhaps to eat their dinner. Yeah. And then they're back in with their friends or they might have 20 minutes of playtime in a different room by themselves or just expect them to to chill and relax with a toy, with something to do, you know. And it, it it's learning, you know, people are so desperate to teach their dogs to sit and teach yes. their dogs to give paw. Um, but they, it's the life skills that they need. They need to be able to cope with the things that we need them to manage with to be happy and contented in life. Um, you know, so for me, my dogs can cope absolutely fine if I'm out at home, uh, out at work. At the moment, they're very lucky. My husband works from home these days, but... Mm. You know, he does say that, you know, he goes downstairs and they look at him like he's disturbed them. <laughs> and certainly when we're on school holidays, you know, comes to the end of the six weeks and they really are looking at us and thinking, just go back to work. Give us our routine again. <laughs> because they're used to, we get mm. up early in the morning, we go for a nice walk, we perhaps do a little bit of training, we do some grooming. So the day begins nice and early for them and they're busy. They have their breakfast and then they're ready to rest all day. Some of them watch TV. Some of them have their back to the TV. They don't really move when we're when we're not at uh, when we're not at home. Then in the evening we come home and it's dog quality time. They have training classes. Uh, they have good walks. You know they're busy dogs. Yeah. Um, you know if I was somebody who who was out at work all day and then wanted to come home and go to a pub, mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. then a dog wouldn't be for me. And the same if people approach me interested in a puppy you know they have to be the right people they have to be realistic we need to go to work to 
fund the lifestyle our dogs have become accustomed to. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if the rest of my life wasn't very centred around the dogs, yeah. then perhaps it wouldn't be right to have them. But, you know, we do dog training classes four nights a week. At the weekends, we're on days out with the dogs or we're at shows or competitions. You know, we're, we're very dog focused at the rest of the time. You know, I would never give a puppy to somebody who wanted a dog but they worked all day and then in the evenings they're out at nightclubs or wherever normal people go in the evenings these days I'm not quite sure um you know it has to be the right people with the the right priorities but I had you know my last litter of puppies they all went to people who worked and they're all busy they're out in the mornings they are some of them are lucky they're owners work from home so they're they're then busy at lunchtime but then in the evenings they've got training classes they're doing hoopers they're doing obedience they're doing show classes you know people are doing something with them busy dogs are fulfilled and busy dogs need that downtime yes you know whether the downtime is you know overnight or in the evening or during the day you know if your dog is busy and fulfilled and you know has has things to think about you know it needs time to process its busy life you know they they appreciate the time yeah absolutely they do yeah yeah it's it's finding that balance for them isn't it and that's really interesting that you've seen it from the point of view of you know having a puppy from someone else and also letting your puppies go to someone to you know to other families that you know how how vital it is to to interview in the way the, the owners and I, you know this oh, is, absolutely it's such an important point to get across to people when an when a breeder talks to you and i'm talking about breeders not greeders not people that do it just for the money and just churn the puppies out and you know just want the money i don't mean that i mean a breeder who's in it for the love of the dog like you and like fran um but when a breeder sort of asks you questions it's because they're trusting you with one of their babies and if they don't ask you those questions if they don't grill you a bit you know, you have to question, do they just want my money? Do they really want the best of Absolutely. these Absolutely. Know? So- and people have to find the right breeder. Yes. You know, I wouldn't be a person for one of Fran's puppies because clearly an issue she is passionate about. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't fit those criteria. But, you know, absolutely fine. You know, there, there will be many, many people who do. Um you know, we just have to find the people who, who match up with our own, you know, thoughts and ethics um, and for me, I, I spend hours getting to know people before yeah. they have a puppy from me. Um, you know, most of them a couple of years. Uh, I get to know people. We we decide if they're right for one of my puppies. And then we keep in touch. I've got people who are waiting for a puppy from me. And I've been chatting to them for, you know, the best part of two years. We meet up every so often. Um, and I know that when they have a puppy, they are the right people. It will yeah. be spot on. We agree on all the important issues. We don't agree on everything. Not mm-hmm. everybody um, does think exactly the same. But the things that I'm passionate about and I feel are very, very important, um, you know, we match up on. And if sometimes somebody doesn't agree with me, I have some people who, who feel very differently to me on on feeding or veterinary care. And you know, I just say to them, you know, there, there will be a breeder out there for you. Mm-hmm. Don't compromise on the most important things. You know, I am not your breeder, but that doesn't mean necessarily that they're wrong or that I'm right. It just means for us to keep a relationship going over, you know, hopefully 15 plus years. Mm -hmm. You know, we need to get on beyond the same page. It needs to be the best possible, you know, match of people as well as matching up the pets. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in the same way, we don't all bring our children up in the same way. But and again, oh, no. there's no right or wrong. There's what works for your family and what works for exactly. somebody else. And, you know, yes. And we're losing that a bit. I think this, particularly with social media, it's sort of it's become this. I disagree with you. I'd like to kill you. And I hate that attitude. Yes. You know, we need we're being tons. sold a, a a picture of you know the the perfection and normality, but life isn't like that. Yeah. And even for those people who are fortunate enough to, you know, perhaps to be at home all day with their dogs. I know a, a little dog at the moment who's really struggling because very sadly, both her owners are in hospital mm. um, and she's in kennels. And that poor little dog has never spent a night not oh. under the covers with the owners. Yeah. Um, and, and she can't cope. You know, she's struggling badly. In kennels, unfortunately, she can't go to somebody else because everybody who's friends has has other dogs, and the the dog is petrified of other dogs because oh. she's been brought up as a you know as a little human um, yeah. and not really spent much time with dogs. But you know, that poor little dog is struggling now mm. because she was never taught the the coping skills and the strategies. She never had those in her you know in her little doggy bag ready to to bring them out when needed. You know, like I always crate train my dogs. Yeah. They don't necessarily use their crates at home a great deal. But if anybody needs surgery or needs to stay in at the vets, if you've got a dog who can cope in a crate, a very, very different world to one who needs to be sedated because, you know, in addition to the stress of the pain it's in, it's struggling with the, the being kept in a crate. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's that exactly that kind of situation where you've just outlined, where you think, well, I'll never put my dog in a you know a kennel or whatever they won't be without us yeah. but you know things intervene so for example i i had one person who who lived on on their own with the dog who said i'm with my dog all the time i never leave them and you think well hang on no. because sometimes you might have to go to the doctor even for a routine check you know or the dentist Absolutely. or the optician yeah. and you know with the best will in the world these are not unless it's a, an assistance dog these are not places we can generally take our dogs we no, have to no. You know, that really, really important word. We have to give them the resilience to cope, don't yeah. we? Yeah. yeah. And I think the dogs enjoy that time away from us. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they need that to think and to process, certainly when, you know, when you're training or you're working with your dog, a bit of a break from something can just give it a, you know, a little while for a, a eureka moment or, you know, a bit of time for it to you know, just process its thoughts and, you know, behave a little bit differently um next time next time you're with the dog um, you know we don't need to be with them 24 7 and they don't need that yeah yeah absolutely absolutely and i mean you know maybe there are there are just like people there are dogs that have more need for companionship and dogs that are more yes independent you know i, I was saying to you before we started that for example our bichon freeze would take herself off into a different room. You know, sometimes I don't know whether yes. we were too noisy or what was going on, but sometimes she'd sort of just go, right. And she'd go off into the bedroom and spend some time on her own, you know, and she, she, yeah. I think she would have coped quite well with if she was left, you know, and it actually, yes. and Star, both of them would cope with being left. But again, as you say, we got them used to it. We, we made sure they were comfortable. They'd had a good walk or whatever it was. Um, and I think that's what it is more and more and more. I be- begin to think that. It's thought, it's forethought, it's planning that actually yes. makes having a dog, you know, as, as pleasant and, e- and, and, and as easy for you and for the dog as possible. Yes. Yes, we're not doing them any justice. 
um, not giving them those tools to cope. Mm. You know, it, it's dreadfully unfair. I mean, there are so many dogs at the moment, you know, looking for homes who've been sat at home with one owner yeah. through lockdown, yes, through yeah. the next lockdown, and then all of a sudden they're back at work. We rehomed a dog um, probably 12 months ago. The owners got it in the first lockdown. Mm. Um, the dog never left the house. They never left the house. They didn't even walk the dog. Mm. Um, and then she messaged me and said, oh, we've got to go back to work. <laughs> And uh, he can't stay on his own. I thought, Kel, surprise. Exactly. You've never yeah. taught him to stay on his own. Mm. Um, unfortunately, the dog is now in the most amazing home with a lady who does work from home. And when she does have to be away from home, um, she has a partner who's at home. But the dog actually, with common sense and you know reinforcement, she's trained the dog to, to settle in the mm. kitchen. She gives it various... Um, feeder toys um, the dog will actually settle quite well on his own for a while because he's now well exercised emotionally stable and mentally exercised because she's doing lots of training so the dog can cope um but you know he, he would have struggled mm-hmm. and it's unfair you know he went to this family as a new puppy ready to learn about everything in the world and then he wasn't given the opportunity to learn to cope with Mm. many of the things that he needed to it's very very sad yeah yeah I guess that's the thing that I I want to to sort of people to take away from this that not that there's a right or a wrong or you must work or you mustn't work or whatever but that the dog has needs and each dog is an individual they have their own needs and absolutely look at the dog that you have or look at the breed you're thinking of having or the mix you're thinking of having or you know and if you don't have that dog already Look at the parents. What are they like? What are their needs? You know, um, and realistically think, can you meet that, those needs? And how can you meet those needs? And as we've been saying, yes. just that little bit of thought and, you know, that will really help the dog be happy. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you ever so much because I know you're a busy lady. You work and you've got those dogs and you've got training and <laughs> you've absolutely. got a routine to get <laughs> to keep you. So thank you very much. And as I say, this is just to help people think, you know, give them food for thought and spark yeah, It's a bit, something you, know. you don't think about yes. yeah. until it occurs to you. It never occurred to me about the awkwardness of me feeding the dogs at six o'clock mm. Mm. until it was a problem. Yeah. So, you know, now I'm aware of that. So I look for other things that could potentially be a problem and, and build the resilience for them now. Yeah. So, yeah, you just don't think it, it's you no don't. fault of the owners when no. it just never occurs to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's so there's so much you, you learn. And and even after years of having a dog, you're still learning. Each dog teaches oh, you different absolutely. things. Absolutely. Know? And it's um, if you ever get to the point of thinking, well, I know it's all there. Forget it. Just, you know. Oh, <laughs> then you are sent a special dog. <laughs> I thought I knew it all. And then we got Marshall. You get a special dog just to kick you to the ground and say, ha, you don't know it all. Here's one that's a bit different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They all take you on a different adventure. And the skill. Oh, don't they just. Yeah, the skill is being brave enough to go on that adventure sometimes. But yes, yeah. yeah. I mean, you saying oh. that, tell us a bit about Marshall. Well, at the moment, he is a mud-caked, stinky thing who does not know what's happening this evening after agility. But he will be in that bath. He's our rescue puppy. Mm. Um, he came to us at four or five weeks with uh, parvovirus, yeah. uh, spent four weeks in hospital, 
teetering between life and death. We weren't going to keep him, but we had to because my son thought Father Christmas delivered him. Aww. And he's, he is the best dog in the world and the hardest dog in the yeah, world because yeah. he's terrified of everything. He's got the potential to be the most amazing dog. He would be my winner at every dog sport going. Except that he is terrified of people yes. in other cars and, oh, oh. you know, the, the judge and everybody who might walk past. Yeah. Um, but he is the most amazing dog in our house, in the areas that he's safe with and yeah. with his friends. But yeah. he did teach me that I know absolutely <laughs> nothing about dogs. <laughs> oh, yeah. But then I think, you know, you say that he, he he's, and I've, I, I know you do um, parkour and lots of things with him and he's, he's amazing. Yes. But I love that, that you let him do those things where he's comfortable. You have fun. You build your bond. You're both enjoying it. It's not about rosettes, is it? It's it a- absolutely <laughs> isn't. I could cry some days when I look at what he can do and think, but nobody else in the world yeah. will ever see this because yeah. it's all very well me turning up to the dog show with my mediocre dogs that will come <laughs> and saying, oh, you know, if I had my other dog, yeah. Yeah. it's a bit like those stickers on the car. My my other car is a Ferrari. My other dog is a genius, <laughs> but sadly. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You'll have to video him and share, share him with us like that because there is, you know, we do love sharing our dogs with other people, don't we? Telling them about what they oh, can yes. do. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, it, it makes makes um, drive some people mad. I have people message me on Facebook and say, "I'm really sorry. I'm going to just have to mute you for a few weeks. <gasps> really? You've done one too many dog videos." Yes, I thought mute me. I'll delete you now. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and I'm so polite about people's cakes and things. Yeah. That I have no interest whatsoever <laughs> yes, in. I know. I know. Wow. That's, yeah. That's amazing. I've never. I mean, I can't believe that. That would not occur to me, you know. I mean, I think I think I, I appreciate people's passions, you know. I guess if it was constantly, I don't know, for example, for me, trains or cars or, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. But I still wouldn't be that rude. No, I'm super polite. I yeah. have a friend who collects millipedes. Yes. And I regularly, um, you know, share my terrible upset at the fact that one of them has died or yes. you know it's somebody's birthday or the horrible videos of her wriggling legs yes. uh, and I'm always so polite and I, I comment on how shiny they are and whatever <laughs> I know yeah yeah <laughs> my, my daughter Jenny's one of Jenny's friends is sort of really really into reptiles and things and they're not my favorite but she does take lovely pictures no. of them and she adores them and, yeah. you know, I always try and do a positive comment. And, you know, I wouldn't necessarily like to pick one up or mix with them like she does, no. but I can appreciate that she loves them. But you can always her. say something nice. Yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. at worst, I can say, wow, good photo. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> some of them look very nice, but I don't want to meet them, Julie. I, you know, I'm, I'm no, quite happy no. looking at the picture. I don't want to meet them. Yeah. But yeah, I can say, yeah, they're, you know, well done or glad they're doing well or sorry they're not doing well or whatever yes. it is. Because. You you know where that feeling comes from, don't you? You know where that love comes from. You know where that passion Absolutely. comes from. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and that's that's yeah. how the world turns, isn't it? We all love different things. That's how the world turns. Isn't it just? Yeah. Yeah, and probably fortunate. Thanks to Julie for her input. Her dogs are lovely and obviously have a very good life because she ensures they do. So there you go. Can you work and have a dog? Well, of course you can. But maybe not every breed lends itself very well to spending hours on their own. And more than that, maybe some individuals of a breed may be more or less happy to be home alone for a while. 
If you are away from your dog for hours because of work, there are things you can do to keep them happy, like having someone call in to walk them or spend time with them or there's doggy daycare or maybe you can take your dog to work with you. So I suppose what it comes down to is it depends on the actual dogs and people involved and whether the owner is prepared to ensure the dog's needs are met. Both Fran and Julie have seen things from a breeder's point of view and we need great breeders who are careful about the people they let buy their puppies. If you find a breeder is asking you lots of questions, interviewing you, don't be offended. Be thankful that you've encountered someone who cares about their dogs so much they want to make sure you're going to look after them well. It's a complicated subject and I'd love to know what you think about it. But for now, that's all. So until next time, look after yourselves and your dogs. Thanks for listening to Dogcast Radio, available from www.dogcastradio.com. That's D-O-G-C-A-S-T radio.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, and wherever you are in the world, we'd love to hear from you. You can do so in a variety of ways. By phone from the UK, you can contact us on 0121-288-0922. From the US, you can contact us on our American number, which is 315-849-2022. From any other country, you'll need your international exit code and then 44121-288-0922. You can contact us on Skype with the ident DogCastRadio. That's all one word, DogCastRadio. By email, you can contact me on julie at dogcastradio.com When contacting us by email, if you have the facilities, please record your questions or comments and send them to us as an audio file. That way we can include them directly in our programme. We can accept most formats, for example, WAV, MP3. All these methods of contacting us can be found on our website, which is www.dogcastradio.com And as ever, the final word goes to Jenny. I wonder if Superman ever put glasses on Lois Lane's dog and she was like, I've never seen this dog before. Is this a new dog? From at Rob Fee on Twitter.